Hello, welcome to the Future Proof podcast from the north of England with Sarah Hall and Stephen Waddington. We'll be talking about what's hot and what's not on the internet in marketing, the media and public relations. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Stephen. We've got to remember to stay close to the microphone. We got criticised in the last uh, edition because the audio was all over the show, apparently. Rightly so. Right. Um... Especially now we're on Spotify. We're on Spotify, yeah. That's a big deal. Exactly. So we've got to keep the quality. Got to keep the quality threshold up. We have. Um, Yeah. Um, Nice to see us on Spotify. So Spotify's opened up to podcasts and we're one of the first PR podcasts and business podcasts, in fact, on there. Um, Go and find us there and through all the other ways that you do via the web and iTunes and such like. Um, End of the year, 2017, I thought we'd look back over past 12 months and look forward over the next 12 months actually that sounds like a really tired format doesn't it it does Stephen. congratulations for your insight and planning have you got any other good (laughs) ideas have you brought any mince pies no i haven't i haven't got any crackers either but we've still got some good stuff to talk about and we can perhaps think about some of the campaigns that we like from this year okay let's kick off with um time magazine it's front cover wow yeah it was quite quite something do you want to take this away well, I just thought I just got really... Uh, you welled I, up. I did add a proper emotional reaction to that front cover. I just thought it was such a brave move by the magazine. We should say what it is first. Yes, so Time um, magazine dedicated the front cover and the inside of the mag to all the silence breakers. So um, key people have come forward this year. And um, yeah, probably main, mainly around the Me Too issue in terms of talked about their personal experiences um and particularly the one that ended up bringing down harvey weinstein and then opening up a kind of worms within hollywood which then cascaded across all of their industries including here across here in the house of lords so at a moment in time when you know we've got uh, misogyny everywhere it's quite a positive and uplifting story isn't it it's very brave yeah, and I think it's lovely to see recognition for people who have stuck their neck out and has ha- have had to, on top of having to deal with the experiences that they have been through, have had to deal with a ridiculous yeah. amount of abuse on top of that for actually being brave enough and daring to, to talk about what's happened to them and trying to make positive change. So you have a theory about um, there's yeah. a lot of men not yeah, so- prepared to talk about this issue. Yeah, I think um, from the gender work that I've done and personal experiences, and we kind of agree we wouldn't talk about Sleeping Beauty, but um, obviously it makes sense to bring it in for those people who know I was splashed across um, most of the global media not that long ago. But I think um, from my experience, just in terms of gender studies work, uh, in gender with other clients and just also from experience in terms of talking to people about that I have this theory that there is actually a generation of men who recognize that the culture has changed that perhaps their behavior has been less than acceptable wanting to change going forward but don't know how to help affect this because they're going to get called out on their behavior now we just need to be able to recognize this and then find ways around so we can start to do things differently and, and make cultural change, for example, in the workplace. But there is definitely a barrier there. And I've seen this in action a couple of times now. Um, Personally. Big story for 2017, certainly something that's going to continue into 2018. Let's move on straight away there. We've, we've got this um, topic in the rundown, the future is female. We've seen a few appointments recently at very senior levels within organizations within PR agencies especially this isn't blowing Ketchum's own trumpet but Ketchum has appointed Barry Rafferty um, the first one of the first global um, 
agencies with a woman now as CEO. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> one of the only. Um, Joanne Robertson, my colleague um, in London now, um, CEO of, of, of London, although she replaced Denise Kaufman, also a woman. So, um, you know, lead, really leadership in the US and, and now in one of our most important offices in, in Europe. But so then I, you picked out, you spotted the story, Weber also has appointed a woman in London. Yeah, I just feel like there is a big step change. So having seen what's happened in, in Ketchum, I then spotted, I think it was Colin Byrne, who's, who's stepping out of Weber. Um, he tweeted that he was thrilled that in terms of the succession planning, they'd gone for a strong female leader in the shape of Rachel Friendly. And seeing this and just hearing different plans afoot within the industry, certainly through CIPR, networks and and just talking to people at different prca and cipr events there feels like there's a change of you think this is a moment in time i i immediately I, um, saw the, yeah. the time front cover and said that's definitely you know it is uh, something we will reflect on in years to come i just think there's an awful lot going on and it's all coming together so there's me too um, there are there is strong um, positioning in the media, like for example, Time. Um, groups like CIPR, PRCA are very conscious uh, of what's happening within the industry and, and the glass ceiling. And with women in PR, particularly, I think are making uh, great strides forward in terms of they're doing brilliant events. They're very thought provoking, um, and you know they're really good for lobbying for for gender equality. Um, so yeah, I, I do think, I, we're I think at, we're, we are at a moment, moment in time. time. I think what we've very definitely seen this year is uh, organisations stop talking about issues such as gender equality, the gender pay gap and all this stuff, such like um, diversity, and actually start doing stuff. So now, even if it's small steps, making small steps to bring about change, that in itself brings about an energy all of its own. Other people get carried along and then you start yeah. to affect real change. The, the problem we've got with gender pay gap is that until legislation goes far enough that everybody has to publish their pay scales, we're always going to have yeah. that. So it, that that's tricky. But then hopefully... Assertiveness, assertiveness training isn't doing it, is it? No. So people talk to me a lot about Possibly assertiveness training. And this what's... People I've ever met. <laughs> no, but that really winds me up because actually this actually uh, maintains the status quo because women shouldn't have to have male attributes to be able to succeed in business. So that's one of those things that people often the best of intentions suggest that's not necessarily the way to go there are other ways to build confidence so for example wh whether you might not be in a position to make your organization publish pay, uh, pay scales there are other things you can encourage them to do so some of that is actually helping women find a mentor um, making sure that they have equal access to leadership programs have access to board positions so they can build their experience there just uh, doing a very simple audit for the board looking at what is your um you know, you know gender pay gap and how do you how do you fare on diversity levels doing some simple things like that might make for difficult reading but actually will force you to face the the truth and hopefully do something starts conversation it. doesn't it yeah and it's and i think what we have to do is stop doing it and, and then assuming that people are going to point the finger and attribute blame and you know there's going to be a backlash we've got to recognize that handled correctly in the way that most PR professionals would do this is actually a really positive step forward and people yeah. will appreciate the efforts that, that the organization is making yeah. to rectify a wrong yeah very good I don't can't disagree with any of that let's move on <laughs> you do normally try um, no, I can't, no I can't. <laughs> nothing to add um, story is closing I was sad 
this week to le- well last week to learn this Storyfy's curation service has been around seven years um, fantastic service that enables you to stitch content together from um, around the web uh, and, and create a blog post publish it out to the web so it's a means of, of capturing conversation if you like around a topic an issue or a market we used it a lot at events but also you know um, for, for pulling together um, conversation and hashtags content and Twitter around chats a particular and chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, it is no more. In fact, it not only is it no more, it, well, it's closing in March next year, but also all the content's going to be scrubbed from the web. And you know, I, I had a conversation with a couple of people in my network, um, Christian Payne in particular, at Documentary, um, who've also grown up with, if you like, in the social web with, with Storyfy and created and curated content. And, you know, there's a real recognition, I think, that, that we're creating all this content around the web. And then if a service like Storyfy decides to pull the plug, that's gone. Um, you know, there isn't a means of capturing that and resharing it and archiving it anywhere else around around the web. So, you know, t- two things spring from that. I've got a blog post brewing around this that I haven't ri- I've sat down and write, written yet. But first thing is this old age comms issue that if you're using a social service that you don't have ownership of you have to recognize that you're totally reliant on any changes it might make in its business model um you know any changes or tweaks to algorithms and 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 such like you're at the whim of its mercy so if you are blogging if you are publishing content it's best that you do that in your own channels in an on an owned website um and then um, you use social t- channels as a means of sharing and, and engagement and amplification. Um, there's also a second thing, which I think is a bigger societal issue that Christian actually raised, that um, the archive of the web, if you like, for the future of humanity is being created. This is getting really deep now. Is being created by the successful companies on the web, not the companies that fail, because the companies that fail disappear without trace. And so, mm-hmm. content that was posted mm-hmm. on Friends Reunited, for example, another social media service that closed, um, no longer exists. Um, in fact, which I sat down yesterday afternoon and wrote wrote down a quick list and quickly got to, you know, twenty services that used to be mainstream. Orkut is another from Google. One of the video ones. Used to be mainstream, Meerkat. Yeah. Used to be mainstream, but then, you know, quickly disappeared. No, it's sad. I mean, I think Storify, most PR practitioners will use it at some, at some point and be, be familiar with it. It was really easy to use. You know, clients loved it. You could adopt it. You could very quickly fashion a blog post yeah, from and, a conversation. And, and reshare it. And get so many link. different views. And, of course, mm. you've got the source elements, so you get your vanity shares. So... Mm. I haven't actually, I saw the story, but I didn't see why. Is it purely a financial issue? Uh, lack of funding, yeah. Yeah. Just so no, I, surely no they must have. Business model. They must have. Oh, I'm assuming they did some kind of scoping exercise, but you would have yeah. thought that people would have paid a, a small fee. Well, for I don't that. know. So there are alternative services now, aren't there? I mean, you know, every single social media site makes it incredibly easy to share content with another social media site. Therein lies the challenge. Um, so you can embed tweets, you can embed. Facebook posts if they're public you can embed video you can embed images in any you know any blog or any site that that you like and that sort of openness is is a good thing um you know so so it's not like you're not going to be able to create that service but it's not going to be on 
Storify. Second thing, I guess, is um, um, uh, related to that, the, the, there are services like Twitter Moments where you can take a similar sort of approach uh, and, and curate, in, in Moments' case, just content from, from Twitter uh, into a story. Oh, yeah. And share it in the same way. I mean, that's quite a useful, um, useful tool that people might want to look at as an alternative. Um, yeah. Okay. Gosh, that was deep. It was. You got carried away there. But important. It's emotional. It is. It's emotional. These tools that we've grown up with and used are disappearing. And, and you know, I really feel uh, Christian's point that, you know, you can see the history of the web is being created by the successful companies. And the ones that disappear, disappear. There's so many big questions at the moment, though. So um, there's there's that, which I think is absolutely fascinating because I hadn't thought about it in terms of where, where my content is going or that of clients. But secondly, things like to hark back to, um, you know, the Time magazine cover and uh, my Sleeping Beauty experience. Um, the other thing, thing that's really been round my head incessantly ever since that happened has been the this whole what is going to happen to the future of free speech so I had an opinion a lot of people didn't like it and I got a huge amount of abuse for that so we door step in personal ra- abuse rape right? threats death threats all kinds of things um you know attacks on whether I was a suitable to be a parent um the fact that I must have be a single mother and I was going to die alone all those kind of things anyway by the by, the point is, I've started to dig into this because I'm thinking about what we can do as an industry through my, potentially through my CIPR role next year. And what is coming when I chat to people, there is a definite nervousness by people about having an opinion now because they're fearful of the repercussions. Mm. And this terrifies me a little bit because we've already seen with, um, with how... <sighs> divided Britain is and America is in terms of the current political landscapes we've got um, that some point we have to stand up and say this is what we we believe in and this is what's right and good mm. and I'm fearful that with the way social media is right now maybe people won't do that and actually people have already said to me do you know what I won't have an opinion because I would not want to happen yeah. to me what happened to you yeah. and there's that's we're in quite a serious position because of that. So we need to think about, you know, well, how do we deal with these keyboard warriors? Because just because social me- uh, media gives people a voice, it does not mean it's equal to that of an expert, no. for example. So you no. see this all the time about uh, Brexit. You get an economist giving it, this is what the impact's going to be. And then you get some random Basildon who thinks differently. Exactly. And you can't, uh, that's what we need to strip out and so, work on. So one of the events I'm looking forward to next year that you're involved in is the interview you're giving with Ralph Little. Yes, yeah, so Influence um, Live. It's an Influence Live event. When's that? It's February or March? Uh, end of January. And you're, Central sorry, London. Um, yeah, that's going to be fun because he's been on LBC Today, actually, talking to James O'Brien about um, why he's taken on um, Jeremy Hunt and why it's important to protect our NHS, which I'm hugely supportive of. Um, but we're going to chat about... Well, I was first interested in terms of personal branding and you know whether they're taught comms when they're at acting school uh, and all that kind of information. But obviously, he is quite political on social media. He's got a phenomenal number of, of um, followers. And I just wanted to know what he felt about you know sharing those views and whether he felt it was a personal responsibility, whether it crossed a line. So it's going to be really good and it's going to be quite quite wide-ranging and uh, I know that he, there's not very much off-limits with Ralph so uh, it's going to be good I'm looking forward to that yeah and just certainly from the point of view of how you deal with keyboard warriors and below the line comments and negative stuff I mean he's faced more than 
uh, more than his fair share uh, yeah. during his his career. So that's going to be you know interesting to have his point of view as well. Let's move on. Um, so I have done a um, we talked about it on the last show 2017 um, review 2018 future of public relations. So 20 areas of PR that. Uh, and communication that I think people need to look out for 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 next year. One of the things that came out of that uh, quite heavily is the influence of artificial intelligence on our business. Um, so, in the use of bots, in the use of voice technology, uh, increasingly in the use of content, and in the use of uh, tools within our workflow. Um, and it just struck me again. Uh, in the way that Sarah's talking about this this energy um, around um, gender issues and around diversity, there's a similar energy in our profession around the, the use of technology um, and the use of um, artificial intelligence. So I published a blog post reflecting on that and saying I was quite interesting to explore where this is all going because you now it. it it ranges from doom and gloom about um, labor and the fact that robots are going to take over our jobs right the way through to um, the influence of, of technology on the way we consume media, the way that media is, is presented to us. Um, and that's th this blog post has uh, is, is generated quite a, uh, an amount of interest um, to the point that I'm getting together a group of people in London um, in the new year in January. Um, just have a dinner and talk about what we might do. Um, as well as that, I've, I've put together this um, uh, proposal for the World, World PR Forum. Uh, I think it's taking place in Norway next year. Um, just about the implication of artificial intelligence, specifically on the issue of the workforce in, in public relations. Um, and I've got the CIPR to agree to open up its data from the State of the Profession survey uh, that's currently just closed but will be published next next February to see if we can match the competence, current competency of computing uh, and future competency of computing based on public, published data and papers with the existing competency of professionals and the future competency of professionals and see if we can come up with some meaning, uh, meaningful analysis on genuinely what artificial intelligence might mean for public relations. It might be that, that um, it means nothing. It might be that we're all going to um, lose our jobs. Yeah, our jobs. Yeah, and that's interesting. But it, so you know, it's a stake in the ground, and it's an attempt to rather than do doom and gloom or, or scare. But there's to, there's to always opportunity there, though, isn't meaningful. there? And um, so since Stephen's been talking about this, obviously I've been looking at bits of research papers and stuff that he's been um, carrying around with him. And we had dinner not long ago with um, two really bright minds, Andrew Smith and uh, Adam Parker, who were also talking about this. And it's well worth you starting to look into it too because actually um if you look at it from a very worst case scenario it could be pretty catastrophic for our industry purely in terms of automation and um, you look at how newsrooms are are being are functioning now a lot of you know the copy they've been generated is being done by robots and if you think about our industry at, at the bottom levels in terms of content creation um social media management um media relations these are all elements that could potentially be wiped out and replaced by by robots which kind of does play though to my agenda at the cipr 
2018 because um, it comes back to this um, if we are, are strategic advisors and we treat PR as a management uh, discipline it changes our role um, completely and we add a lot more add value to an organization so as Stephen says not all doom and gloom we've got to think about it because with change always comes opportunity but we've got to be aware of it because I think I think your blog you did something on it not long ago and it, you talked about the industry sleepwalking into this and um, quite categorically from the little that I've read already we, we totally are yeah so, so the, there are voices around the profession that, that are, are uh, looking at it and, and talking about it so you, you've mentioned uh, Adam Parker Andrew Smith I'll include both of those in the show notes um, <clears throat> Um, you know, doing interesting stuff, um, but you know, it is at the moment. It's a very much a niche and very specialised um, area of interest. Um, I'm hoping I'm going to change that in 2018. Um, big stories from 2017. Yeah, let's go through the big stories and our favourite campaigns. Okay. Have you got any? I haven't. Prepared <laughs> this at all. Well, I've put, I haven't prepared put you on the hop. Yay! Um, <laughs> No, you did. You were saying that you like one the other day about blue services, blue light services. Yes. Okay. So, so PR Week did a brilliant write-up on Friday about the the best campaign of 2017. It's not a campaign at all, is it? But um, just the response by uh, the emergency services, emergency comms to, um, let's list them, Westminster um, Manchester attacks, bombing. Manchester bombing, London Bridge attacks. Actually, you know, it, it's the big attacks that get get the headlines but actually um, day in day out um, it's coppers on the street and and you know people back at base uh, communicate in fact the communicators on the street as well that you know are, are dealing with um, dealing with the aspects of life that you and I don't have to mm. um, so yeah I mean, they've done a tremendous job this right. Year, well, absolutely. I'm going to share one of the ones that I've liked, which is slightly more, so a lot smaller and more on a grassroots level. But I've been really impressed this uh, year with the running down dementia campaign that was done between Alzheimer's Research UK and Park Run. Park Run's and a I, brilliant community. Yeah, you love it. And I, I just think it's a really community. clever way of bringing together people with a shared interest um to fundraise for um an illness that's affecting well, most families it's you know mm. you talk to anybody now and you know you used to always just be about cancer but most people be affected by dementia too now do you know when i was growing so when i was growing up it was uh, the the big issue was um heart attacks mm. and blood pressure uh, and that's public that's, health campaigns you remember them yeah, my generation too. was aids is it age? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah definitely and now age. It's, oh, and that's that, um, Alzheimer's and mental stop the health, bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, other stuff to mention, less positive. Well, oh yeah, so we're talking about the big issues. So obviously, we have to talk about ethics. You have to talk about Bell Bottinger. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the move by the PRCA, uh, and the you know, um, I think reflecting on that story, it's drawn a line in the sand between what's good and what's bad. And you know, we firmly recognise good practice. Um, similarly. Um, Max Clifford, um, who, who passed, yeah, passed away last week. Passed away last week. You know, moment in time. Um, um, and hopefully, the media will have, will recharacterise what they see public relations to yeah. be because obviously the discussion that has been had around that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Fake news, governance, and social media. I think that I these are things out. are going to roll on to 2018, and yeah. these are nothing we're going to solve very very quickly. I, well, I pull those out as a big issue for, in, in my analysis for, for 2018 about the future of our profession that, you know, um, all the social media platforms from Instagram to Facebook, from Snapchat to Twitter are trying to get their heads around and deal with um, 
the issue of whether they're publishers or whether they are channels uh, and whether they need to take greater editorial responsibility in trying to get out ahead of governance. Um, so the latest is Instagram that's added um, embedded tags for, for sponsored content. Big issue, big issue. Um, we've got a, let's get, we've got five minutes. Let's, uh, if I've got a pasty in the oven, I want to get my lunch. Um, let's talk about new <laughs> New Year's resolutions. You haven't changed, do you? <laughs> New Year's resolutions, have I got any? I, I, don't, know, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. Um, so personally, um, I'm going to get my website in order. Um, and I'm going to write more long-form content and hopefully get another book out. Not <laughs> not just the CIPR Platinum, platinum book, but... To celebrate its 70th own. anniversary. Yeah. Well, my resolution is the same as it is at the start of every year, to get through this one alive. <laughs> well, you've succeeded. You've got 12 days to go. Exactly. I'm doing succeed. all right. <laughs> uh, no, come on, you're stepping into a big role. In fact, you've stepped into it already, to all yeah. intents and purposes. No, I'm excited. So, in terms of aspirations then... Um, I just really am keen to um, do a good job, listen to members, um, hopefully oversee what will be a, a very positive office move for the CIPR, but really um, work with board and council and the wider membership to get a real step change with the business community and employers about how they see public relations and, and the value that we add. And if I can make any inroads into that next year, I'll be really happy. I'd suggest you're already making inroads. Well, yeah, but we've still got a lot of work to do. And actually, they've probably got campaigns to roll out next. And there's pieces of work that we're working on that will hopefully make a big difference. Because for us, it's about relevance with the business community. So within teams who have strong, like whatever, strong PR and comms teams, I think management would say, of course, we value PR. It's great. But there are so many that perhaps don't understand the, the full value of what we can bring that's the piece I want, that's the circle part of the circle i want to close good uh have you any tips uh yes we usually leave people with an upbeat actually this has I've been probably two. the most thought-provoking considered podcast we've done well that's good i'm glad you thought so because i saw the agenda 30 seconds before we sat down <laughs> He fair. does this every single no, time. You do fair. this every single time. So you have time to prep and I come along and no, go, Ooh. to be fair, we kick this backwards and forwards over the course of a month in a community. Actually, that's my tip. That's my tip. That's a really good one, actually. Um, have a, Set up a personal community on your favourite form of social media, whether it be WhatsApp or WhatsApp works quite well, or um, Facebook also really works quite well. We have a community where we post stuff, don't we? keep in touch so with people that you like and respect and trust who will say when you kick around ideas will say actually Stephen that's absolute rubbish <laughs> or that's a brilliant idea go for it yeah so the, or actually it's a great idea will you help me with it <laughs> <laughs> so private communities are the most trusted form of, of social media but make sure you pick your community members with absolute care and discretion okay so I've got two tips one is, uh, and with thanks to Jim Hawker at Three Pipe, Jim's hopefully going to do a little bit of work um, with the, the board and, and council of the CIPR and I next year, just looking at how we um, look at basically SEO and digital and uh, in PR and how we um, embrace that a little bit more at the Institute, but not just that, looking at the wider um non-membership because obviously figures whatever you use is usually around eighty thousand 
people working in PR in the UK and the membership bodies are certainly CIPR's membership, although it, it's higher than it uh, is, has been for a while, still tends to stay fairly static around the 10 to 11,000 mark. So he's hopefully going to do um, a bit of work looking at how can we appeal um, to, to those other people that we're not quite reaching yet. But when I was chatting to him last, he gave me um, a great podcast to listen to. Uh, and um, it's called Winners and Losers by um, Scott Galloway. And basically, I would definitely recommend that you go and listen to that and uh, become a convert. So it's, it's worth listening to. What sort of stuff does he cover? Uh, it's all kinds of things. So there's one here about Amazon's next acquisition, but it's all kind of um, things that are being quite disruptive. Uh, it's actually where our heads should be. In terms of and, yeah, in terms of the future. So provocative. Uh, you might not agree with it all, but worth listening to. And my other top tip is just to please keep your eyes peeled in January for the CIPR's 70 at 70 initiative, which we're launching. And this is be part of our anniversary celebrations, looking at people. Uh, who are members within the industry, old and new, young and old, from all backgrounds, um, who have made a difference in some way, shape or form, or who are pioneers or who are unsung heroes. So we just want to find these 70 people. Um, there'll be an application process. We have a committee set up who will um, siphon through um, all the different entries and then um, make recommendations for who are special. I tell you what, I'm going to I'm going to hold you to to, to uh, the amount of content you can put in this podcast about the CIPR because this is not going to become a CIPR podcast because that would be a very dull thing. That was do. a top tip. You asked me for a top tip. Okay, I gave you a top enough. tip. All right, fair enough. There's a natural crossover there with the work I'm doing. But the other thing I can talk about and bore you on that is Future Proof because Future Proof 3 is coming to fruition. And uh, hopefully early next year I'll be editing and the proof will be in the pudding then. I'm, I'm sounding very chipper right now, but I've got the content to come in. But that said, from the people who have signed up, it, it should be really, really strong. Uh, and then hopefully by the end of the first quarter, that next book will hit Fantastic. the shelves. My stomach is growling. It's awesome. Madge, Madge, is... Madge is asleep unless she's snoring. <laughs> <laughs> Madge is either growling or snoring under the table. It's because you're um... picking on me. That's what it is. <laughs> Loyal doggy. Let's call that a wrap. Um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And you listen in greater and greater ever numbers, and we really appreciate it. We especially you. appreciate your feedback and comments, either via the blog or via um, via Twitter. So I'm at Wads and she's at Hallmeister. Thank you very much. See you in 2018. Thank you for listening to the Future Proof Podcast with Sarah Hall and Stephen Waddington. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Hallmeister. That's H-A-L-L-M-E-I-S-T-E-R and Stephen at Wads, W-A-D-D-S. For more information about Future Proof, visit futureproofingcoms.co.uk Until next time, see you on the internet.